Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Oh, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you here this weekend. For those of you joining us online, we're so thrilled that you are with us. And hey, uh, you know that spot in life? You know that particular space in life where you can see the beginning from the end? You're kind of in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe uh, it comes to a degree program. You're in a graduate degree program and you're thinking to yourself, when is this going to be over? Because you can't remember when you enrolled in the program and you can't see graduation date. Or maybe it's that second or third child or maybe third or fourth child. And you think to yourself, man, I just... I can't remember when it was, well, just, you know, just us, me and my wife. I can't remember that moment. Or it's a few decades into your career and you've hit the proverbial midlife crisis or a second marriage that is no better than your first marriage. That spot, that spot, friends, is called the messy middle. It's in the middle when we can't see the beginning and we don't know when the end is coming. It's a messy middle. But here's what I believe. There's a way in the middle and it begins right in the mess. And so in today's message, we're gonna see how God stepped into a messy middle. We're gonna see how Christian brothers and sisters of centuries gone by stepped into the middle, into a mess. And we're gonna learn and we're gonna discover how we can step into a mess when it comes to our lives and in our circumstances and situations. Now. As we get to Acts chapter 15, this is a chapter I would call a messy middle. For one, it's nearly right in the middle of the book of Acts. What's the book of Acts? The book of Acts is a New Testament book that records the acts of the apostles. Who are the apostles? The 12 original followers of Jesus Christ minus Judas. And the book of Acts was inspired. It's actually a two-part volume inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by Luke, who not only wrote the book of Acts, but in his first work, he wrote the biographical account, the gospel that bears his name, Luke. If you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. And here's what you need to know about this series called The Messy Middle. Post-Easter, the last two years, we've been working our way through the book of Acts. So if you go back to 2021, we covered Acts 1 through in a series called Supernatural. Remember that series? It was an incredible series. Or then last year, we looked at Acts uh, chapter 9 through 12 in a series called Reroute. And then uh, 13 through 16, those three chapters in a series called Made for Mondays. Now, if you want to identify and see all of that content, you want to watch all of those messages, feel free. But that's a lot of me on your screen, okay? So, if you don't want to see all those messages, but if you do, that's fine. You can go to our mobile app. We have all of those messages under upcoming messages. But how many of you like Spark Notes? Or if you're from a different generation, Cliff Notes, okay? Um, if you want a quick review, you can find a four and a half minute video on our mobile app and it'll give you an overview of what has taken place thus far in the book of Acts from Acts chapter one to Acts chapter 14. Now, as we talk about uh, a messy middle, messy middles usually revolve around relationships. They're usually relational in nature. Not all of them, but, but uh, a messy middle for our purposes when we come to Acts 15, it's around relationships. And you and I, we participate in relationships, whether it's with our spouses or an ex-spouse. We have messy middles when it comes to families, right? We have parenting challenges, 
Just uh, talked to a couple, prayed with a couple in the lobby today, a parenting challenge or, or a, 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 a challenge when it comes to blended families and situating and organizing. It's messy. We have messy middles when it comes to uh, groups of people. When it comes to violence, I mean, you just think in our nation in the last several weeks, we've seen so many mass shootings. If you're here in the state of Wisconsin watching with us since 2023, we've lost our fourth law enforcement official in 2023. It's messy. There's a lot of messes in our world today and knowing how and when to step into a mess is critical for us as followers of Jesus Christ. There's messes when it comes to entire groups of people When it comes to uh, divisions across race, whether it's black and white or red and brown, race divides. However, race is not a biblical term. Race as a category has no biblical or scientific basis. It's a sociologically created word that is established to use as a form of a caste system of, of, of power and domination. In modern day history, the category of race was heavily influenced by Darwin's theory of evolution. And racism results in an unequal distribution of power and opportunity. Now, I'm not telling you anything new, but as a part of our nation's history, racism has always been a part of the United States of America. Whether we stripped the land of our Native Americans or whether we enslaved African Americans through the civil rights, Jim Crow, and even today with George Floyd and all that has swirled the controversy in our news and ways in which we separate and divide and destroy individuals of different race. This next clip that I want to show you actually takes place, took place in 2014 took place in Memphis, Tennessee, and here's what you need to know about the clip. There were three hired actors. One is a white prejudiced salon uh, individual, stylist, working in a salon, and she exhibits uh, her ignorance and racism toward two other paid professionals, two other actors, a biracial couple. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to take a look at the reactions of the different patrons, how and when and why they chose to step in to the mess. Watch this. We're setting up at the Empire Hair Studio. Hello. Hairstylist Angela is casually flirting with a new customer. Is this your first time here? Yeah, it is. You are mighty handsome. You know what? (laughs) You look like a model. Are you a model? I am not. Hello. But Sean has a girlfriend. Hey, Hey, baby. How are you? Good to see you. And when she walks in to meet him, Angela just can't take it. If you saw this woman forcing her intolerance on an interracial couple, what would you do? There she is. Hey, babe. Hey, darling. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm great. Right away, Angela makes things uncomfortable. Please tell me that's not your girlfriend. I'm not racist. I just don't see a lot of white people with black women. (laughs) Call me old-fashioned. I don't like to see this. They're ruining our culture. Suddenly, Carol Dannyhauer speaks up. They? Who is they? They're people just like you and me. And who is they? Look around here. She's the only black person here. So freaking what? I'm so sorry. Thank you. I'm so sorry. This is horrible. 
Thank you. I'm so, so sorry. She's so upset, really she physically body. comforts Rachel. It's really sweet of you. You know, if you'd had a baby, <sighs> she'd think she's the nanny. I gotta go. Sorry, baby. Rachel pretends she can't take it anymore. Sean is right behind her. Not paying for it, I'm sorry. That didn't offend you? You offended me. You offended me greatly. You don't have to defend them. They're gone. Nobody can hear you. What? I shouldn't have to defend them. They have their right to live their life. They're, what are you talking? I mean, we're two people here. Even with our couple out of the picture, Carol can't sit silent. Some people try to reason I'm sorry, with what? our racist. How about what if that was your son? I don't mean to make y'all uncomfortable. I just think what I think. You're not with me on this. It's time to introduce ourselves. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more common and more accepted. Well, sure. I mean, to each their own. Everybody has a right to do what they want to do. To each their own. But today, fun. Angela just won't let up. It's not fair to your kids. Do people stare at you guys? You're not a supervisor. Mine is just somebody here. Because I'm Latina. Right. So I don't have to come here anymore. Because I see you feel uncomfortable with some kind of different races. Your kind is fine. Oh, OK. Oh, thank you. It's, I appreciate it. Look at this kind. Well, I love her. She is beautiful. Marie Sanchez speaking up for the targets of Angela's oh. ugliness. You cannot hurt somebody like that because she's just African-American. The color doesn't matter. I was trying she's to make it more comfortable for all of us. She is a beautiful woman. It doesn't matter the color of the skin. She is human. She's a woman like you. Not like us. And with that, she's had enough. As we approach Marie, oh, she's oh still gosh. shaking. She's an actress. Um. It was hard for you to take, huh? And you could have just stayed quiet. Yeah, but I couldn't because it really hurt. Even though they weren't talking about you. Mm -hmm. Why was it important that you get your message through to her? Because everybody is the same. We have, we are humans. We are, we have the same rights. I mean, we can have different races. We have different, different type of colors, but it's, it's all humans. No doubt it's a heavy situation. And then along comes this woman. Can you believe that? Good looking guy like him going with a black girl. Do your parents know? Do my parents know what? Oh, you know what, hey, you gotta stop. Really, Sorry. you need to stop, please. That's not cool. I'm just saying what everybody here is thinking, that's all. You're not saying what I'm thinking, and so you need to stop. It's enough, okay? This ain't the 1800s anymore. I don't think you get it. That's right, I don't. But look around this place. She's the only black woman here. So what? Are you kidding me? You know what? Ignorance is everywhere. I'm sure Becky agrees Ignorance with me. Is Do you understand? You're gorgeous. Thank you. You understand? I mean, she's pretty for a black girl, I guess. And you're ignorant for a white girl. Now stop. She's so upset, she calls for the manager. Go get Becky, now. But she finds us instead. You didn't have to speak up. Of course I did. 
you, you can't let stuff like that go on. A lot of people are afraid to speak up. A fear can stop you from doing a lot of things, but it should never stop you from doing the right thing. You don't just say, you don't just think it, you, you take action. Otherwise it doesn't count. Whatever's in your head doesn't matter if you don't act on it. Folks in the South condemning racism. You know, I think it brings the problem of racism front and center to us today. As preachers often say, racism is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And the reality is that sin impacts all of us. There's a form of prejudice and uh, a way in which we try to divide and label and separate people. And so what does God do in his infinite wisdom? Well, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us back to himself. However, we oftentimes miss the power of the cross in terms of uniting people groups together. If you have a Bible, let me show you how God stepped into the mess when it comes to different ethnicities. Because race is not a biblical word. The biblical word is ethnic groups, ethnicities. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For Jesus, he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one. Who are the two groups in the New Testament? Jews and Gentiles. He made them one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is the destroyer of division. How did he do this? Verses 15 and 16 to where we read these words. By setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. What is Paul referencing here? Well, he's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus come to reconcile us individually back to the Father, but what God does, his picture of his kids, those who place their trust in him, regardless of their color, regardless of their ethnic background, socioeconomic background, whether they're educated or uneducated, whatever part of the country, when they place their faith in Jesus, what Jesus does is he transforms our heart and he makes one new humanity. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. Who's comprised of the church of Jesus Christ? Those of us who place our faith in Jesus. Those of us who say, Jesus knows me, loves me, I love and know him, and I choose to follow him. And that's why I love our church here at Pathways, at Pathways Church, because we have a value our value is simple. One of our values simply states this, that every single person matters to God. You matter to God, regardless of your color, regardless of your ethnic background, regardless of who you are, you matter to God. And because you matter to God, you matter to us at Pathways. It's why I'm so proud of the fact that today I can stare out at our congregation. I can't see those of you who are online, but I can see biracial couples who are part of our congregation today. I can see people from all different continents who call Pathways home. I'm so proud of the fact that God is shaping us as a faith family that goes beyond barriers and builds bridges to the heart of God. There is nothing more powerful than a watching world than when we who the world tries to divide unites under the power and the purpose and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why... 
Back in January, if you were with us back in January, we did a, uh, a series called You Get Me. Anybody remember that series, You Get Me? Yeah, we talked about um, uh, uh, sex, politics, and race. Three weeks in a row. Whew, I was sweating, let me tell you. <laughs> but you know, after we talked about race, I was so proud of our congregation, we did a follow-up called the Race Forum, and we had 40-some individuals there, and it was so exhilarating to listen to the conversations and to see the heart of God shape us around these kingdom values to represent Ephesians chapter two, because friends, I don't know if you know this, but we're an extension of what God is doing in our world that was begun in the book of Acts. That's why the book of Acts is so important for us. Now, this shouldn't be new news to us, but when it comes to the book of Acts, in particular in Acts 15, this is very important to note. Ready? Listen to this. Following Jesus up to Acts 15 was essentially a Jewish phenomenon, meaning that you had the Old Testament law that was given to Moses. You had the prophets calling the people of God back to the way of God. And finally, God said, you know what? I'm gonna have to send my son who was born a Jew, who died on the cross, the true Messiah rose from the dead. And then after 40 days of providing many convincing proofs, he said to his followers, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is gonna come. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, and the church was birthed. 3,000 individuals came to faith in Jesus. So many of them were Jewish individuals. So it made sense if you were a Jew. However, if you were a Gentile, this gospel didn't make sense. You really didn't quite know what was going on. As we come to Acts 15, you're gonna see Paul and Barnabas who were showing up in Jerusalem at headquarters. Why are they coming back to where the church was started? Because in their first missionary journey, which you can read in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse four to Acts 14, uh, verses, uh, verse 28, in their first missionary journey, Paul took three missionary journeys. He goes out and he begins to share the gospel. And all, like a lot of Gentiles were coming to faith, okay? A lot of Gentiles were coming to faith. So much so that the Jewish leaders were like, whoa, now this is about 20 years after the, the church was started in Acts chapter 15. And what they said in effect was this, we need to have a church business meeting. <laughs> have you ever, now if you're not a church person, oh, church business meetings, they are interesting animals, okay? Uh, if you're not a church person, here's the first thing that you need to know about a church business meeting. If everything's going well in the church, nobody comes to the church business meeting. They don't care, okay? If there is a hint of scandal or any form of gossip that is swirling, the church business meeting is packed. I mean, it's packed. There's more people that are coming to the church business meeting that came to the church service earlier that day. Everybody's at the church business meeting. You'll see sister so-and-so, you haven't seen her in 10 years, but she's texted and called all 19 of her family members, none of which are part of your church, but they show up to the church business meeting. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, wow, I didn't even know you came. You ever been to one of, uh, one of those meetings? You ever been to one? Yeah, I've led a few, not fun, okay? This is, this is Acts 15. This is a church business meeting. Uh, the technical term uh, is the Council of Jerusalem, if you look at the subheading in your Bible, the Council of Jerusalem. And there are three stages. There are three stages to this Council of Jerusalem, okay? The first stage is the dispute. The second stage is the defense. And the third stage is the decision. So let's talk about the dispute, okay? Everybody say dispute. Here's the dispute. 
as Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch and as they were sharing the gospel and the Gentiles were coming to faith, there were some Jewish religious teachers that came and said, you know what? I'm really appreciative that you placed your faith in Jesus. However, you need to be circumcised and you need to obey the law of Moses. This is what's articulated in verse five of chapter 15. They stand up at the business meeting and listen to their words. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and they said this, the Gentiles must be circumcised and are required to keep the law of Moses. In other words, the reason that this teaching, this dispute was so dangerous was it was robbing both the Jews and the Gentiles of their liberty in Christ. In effect, what the religious teachers were saying is if you want to be a faithful follower of Jesus, not only do you need to place your trust in him, but you need to add something. You need to add the law of Moses and circumcision. It's Jesus plus the law plus circumcision if you want to follow Jesus Christ. And this came to a head when Paul and Barnabas were like, no, we just have to have faith in Jesus. This was the dispute. This was the problem. Now for us today, that might not make a lot of sense. So let me try to put it in terms that would make sense to you and to me. I'll talk about it in terms of human tradition. I'll talk about it in terms of religion. I'll talk about it in terms of man-made rules. All these things that we don't necessarily find in scripture, but we put on the backs of individuals in order for them to come to Jesus. Oh, well, if you really want to serve Jesus, you have to place your faith in him, but you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's very dangerous run from a religious leader, run from a denomination, run from a church that says there is something more to following Jesus than simply following Jesus. Jesus, that's why the mission statement here at Pathways Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're not trying to make you a moral person or a member or a congregant. We're trying to get your life into contact with Jesus Christ. He's the one that saves. He's the one that sanctifies. He's the one that sends you out. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Now, to be fair to the religious teachers in Acts chapter 15, all they ever knew was the Old Testament law. Let's be fair. It's not like they could read Romans or, or Hebrews or Philippians. They didn't have those books yet. They were living the New Testament. Does that make sense? They were living this out. So they had limited baseline knowledge of what God was doing. And it's always hard for us when God does a new thing because it shatters our old forms of thinking about God. And we as human beings, myself included, we like to put God in a box. We like to know how he's gonna move. We like to, we like to make sure that we can, we can manage God. And friends, hear me loud and clear. You can't manage God. God's God, you're not. And so he was doing a new thing in Acts 15 where all these Gentiles were, were, were getting saved. So there was a dispute that arose. Now, here comes the defense. Everybody say defense. There are three parts to the defense. The first part is kicked off by the apostle Peter. He says this, after much discussion, Peter got up and he addressed the business meeting. He said, brothers, 
You know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. This is key. Listen to verse nine. God, he did not discriminate between us and them. For he purified their hearts by what? By faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have, have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Now imagine, if you will, Peter, the apostle, standing up and saying this in the business meeting. If I were there that day, I would have been in the tech booth and I would have been tweeting out, mic drop, shots fired, here we go, it's on. Scripture doesn't say that. You know what Scripture says? They sat there in silence because Peter's words were profound. The second part of the defense is where Paul and Barnabas had to stand up and they had to give a report of their first missionary journey. And of all the miracles and all the amazing things that they could have told the Jewish leaders, you know what they said? Signs and wonders followed us. Look at verse 12, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, telling them about the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. Signs and wonders were the validation of God's plan from the beginning of time that all people would know and love him through his son, Jesus Christ. And then, if it wasn't enough for Peter and Paul and Barnabas to speak up, James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, James, the brother of Jesus, stands up and he says this. He says, uh, he said, brothers, listen to me. I love it. Very diplomatic as a pastoral, pastoral tone. Brothers, listen up, he says. Listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this as it is written. What James is doing is referencing back to the very Old Testament law that they were aware of, the law of Moses and the prophets. And he quotes out of Amos and he says this. He says, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild. I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. Things, things known from long ago. And then he says the very words that should be our posture and approach to those individuals who want to come to faith in Jesus. To individuals that perhaps society sees as marginalized, less than individuals who perhaps on the out word appearance or exterior, don't know Jesus and yet want to find Jesus. Listen to this next verse. This next verse should shape our worldview in terms of getting the gospel out. Verse 19, James says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Friends, there is nothing in our lives that should make it difficult, whether it's our speech, our examples, whatever it might be, that would make it difficult for some other human being to turn to God. It shouldn't be our rules. It shouldn't be our traditions. It shouldn't be our judginess or self-righteousness or our attitudes, anything that would block the way for individuals who are turning to God. That, friends, is sinful. 
We need to repent of that. And we should make the way easy as people are trying to find and follow Jesus Christ. Okay, so that was the dispute. That was the defense. And here is the decision. The decision has two parts to it, okay? Uh, The two parts are these. First, it's a doctrinal decision and then a practical decision. The doctrinal decision was handled in the defense. When Peter said, it's by grace, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that all people are saved. But I want to kind of zero in on the practical decision. Because if you read Acts 15, here's what you're going to find. The Jews plead and they say to the Gentiles, we would implore you that you would do two things. Would you uh, refrain from idolatry and immorality? You say, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, the Jews, the Jewish leaders at the church business meeting got letters out to the Gentiles and they said, when it comes to your food, when it comes to your eating practices, would you not eat food that's sacrificed to idols and would you not eat food where the blood is still in the meat? And you say, wow, that sounds a little... uh, That sounds a little legalistic, Adam. What's going on here? Well, you have to understand in the first century, much of Christian community was done in homes. And in homes, there was a lot of breaking of bread and eating together and being together. It would be like in our circles at Pathways Church, in our small groups, for example, whether they're serving teams or whether they're small groups that meet in homes, there's breaking of bread. It's like I did a wedding earlier this week and afterwards we went to their home and we ate together. We had salmon together. We, we had ribs together, which thank the Lord that Jesus did away with the unclean meat of pork because we couldn't eat those, but they were so delicious. So the Jews said though to the Gentiles, hey, don't eat meat that's sacrificed to idols because that's gonna trip us up. It's just like those circles are so powerful in Christian community. I don't know if you noticed, but when you walked in today, there was a 20-something small group that just took over the lobby from traffic, from coffee, from greeters. I mean, they were everywhere. And that's a group of connected individuals because they are in a circle together, which by the way, if you're not on a serving team, if you're not a part of a small group, you want to engage, talk to somebody out at Connect. Circles are better than rows. And the first century congregation, they got that. So when they made that plea, they essentially said, hey, listen, please don't eat that kind of food because that's going to serve as a stumbling block for us. Now, let me get this a little bit more practical, okay? If you read scripture, uh, perhaps uh, you uh, know scripture and you feel liberty to have a glass of wine uh, with your dinner, okay? You have that liberty, you feel that liberty, you understand that a glass of wine uh, is, is okay uh, biblically. Now, if you're gonna have a glass of wine at dinner and friends of yours were coming over and they were just stepping out of a life of addiction when it comes to alcohol abuse, then would it be encouraged that your behavior would serve as a stumbling block by bringing out a bottle of vintage wine? No way, you wouldn't do that. This is what essentially the Jews are saying to the Gentiles. This is going to trip us up if we're around the table together. So could you please not eat that kind of meat? And the Gentiles respond with a resounding, of course. Now, do you see, this is such beautiful thing that we see in Acts 15. We see two groups 
where God stepped into the mess by sending Jesus so that two groups could become one. And we see two groups stepping into the mess because you have Peter, you have Paul and Barnabas, you have James defending the Gentiles. Then you have the Gentiles reciprocating and saying, hey, listen, okay, we understand it from a doctrinal perspective, but please, could you pass on the meat? And the Gentiles say, of course. You have two groups who are now finding a path of peace. They both learn to step into the mess and find a path forward. Brothers and sisters, this has major implications for you and for me. Let's look at a couple points of application. Ready? If you're taking notes, jot this down. First point, first suggestion is this. Before we step into a mess, before we step in, we must exercise wisdom and discernment. What does that mean? Not every fight, not every mess is yours to fight and step into. Sometimes the Lord could simply be saying this to you. I got this battle. All you need to do is stand strong in me and you don't need to step into the mess. You just need to hold strong. I'm gonna take care of this battle. Now, in the case of Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas had to step into the mess because they were invited back to the church of Jerusalem and they had to give an update. If they were to resist and just go rogue, all of a sudden it would undermine the very gospel that they were trying to bring to all people groups. Sometimes you don't have a choice if whether you're gonna step into a mess or not. Other times you do. And that's where you need to exercise wisdom and discernment. God, is this a time that I need to step in? Is this a time I need to say something? Or God, do I just need to hold in this moment? Now, if you step in, it leads me to my second point of application. When we step into the mess, we step in the mess with compassion and without compromise. We step in with compassion and without compromise. In other words, we believe the best about the individual that we're gonna step into the mess with or the people group. However, we're not gonna compromise the truth of what we know to be true according to God's word, the Bible. We have to have both compassion and we have to have conviction. We have to have conviction to God's truth and we can't have a compassionless heart, a hard heart. We have to retain love in our hearts. Notice this is what Paul and Barnabas does in Acts 15. They don't get defensive. They don't get angry or riled up. They simply give a report by saying one thing, signs and wonders have followed our work. And the good news for you and me is that when we live a life in the Holy Spirit, when we're empowered by him, there are character qualities, there are signs like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's words and speech and there's a lifestyle that represents Christ. And you know what? Signs and wonders follow God's kids. Can follow your life, can mark your life in such a way that people can see and say, you know what? There is something uniquely different about that individual's lifestyle. And that allows you and me, when we step into the mess, to have both compassion and conviction. Now here's the third thing. And I would say this point is applicable to all of us. You know, when you step in, you step in when someone can't get in. What do I mean by that? You step in when somebody can't get into a relationship with God through Christ. When they don't feel part of the family, when perhaps they feel judged or ostracized, or perhaps maybe they don't look like you, act like you, and you see some of your friends, or you see a church that would perhaps just kind of 
turn an eye at them and say, oh, I wish it would go away or whatever it would be or in a family situation. That's when you step in when somebody can't get in. A person's dignity, their value hangs in the balance. Standing up for the oppressed, the poor, the marginalized is never a wrong move. Getting the gospel out to people is the heart of Jesus Christ. Getting the gospel out here, there, and everywhere to know that every single human being is an image bearer of God and can be reconciled to the heart of the Father is the whole point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I play a role in that. That's why here at Pathways Church, I'm so excited because since September, we've seen 250 individuals accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We've seen 95 95 people in the waters of baptisms making decisions to say, you know what? I want you to know, church family, I'm one of you, I'm a part of you. Whether you're online, whether you're right here, the gospel's getting out. It's a powerful thing. And so today, I wanna challenge us. As I was putting the message together, this line came to me. We're not gonna make it difficult for people who don't know Jesus. We're not gonna be blockers. We're gonna be bringers. We're gonna bring people to Christ. We're gonna bring hope and love. We're gonna bring meals. We're gonna bring outreaches. We're gonna bring the good news of Jesus Christ. We're gonna bring people to church. We're gonna bring people to serving opportunities. We're gonna bring friendship. We're gonna bring truth. We're gonna bring compassion. We're gonna bring hope. We're gonna bring joy. We're gonna be bringers and we're not gonna be blockers at Pathways Church, amen? All right. So, why is that important? Well, it's important because I want you to hear my heart on this. We're not simply learning the book of Acts. God, the same God of the book of Acts, is inviting us to live the book of Acts. So, here's what I want to do. I want to sing this song. I want to invite you to stand, and let's sing this song as a giant faith declaration for us as a church family. Same God, let's sing it together.